Hello fellow law nerds, welcome to another special confirmation hearing episode of Boom Lawyered, a rewire.news podcast hosted by the legal journalism team that really can't believe we're still here talking about the goddamn confirmation hearings because things (laughs) will never stop happening and this is Jessica and my lot in life. I'm Imani Candy. And I'm Jess Piclo. Rewire.news is the leading nonprofit journalism outlet devoted to reporting on reproductive and sexual health, rights, and justice, and the Team Legal Podcast is part of that mission. As a nonprofit, Rewire.news relies on your donations to fund Boom Lawyered and all of our evidence-based journalism. If you like our show and you want to hear more of it, please donate online. Yes, please do. You can support us at rewire.news slash donation. That's rewire.news slash donation. Thank you all so much and a big thanks to our subscribers and welcome to our new listeners in this seventh circle of hell that we have <laughs> called the Kavanaugh confirmation hearings. I feel like I feel like we need to like I don't know, offer cookies and milk. Maybe protective eyewear for our new listeners, because if you're coming in hot and heavy on this episode, you got a lot of, you got to go back, go back, you got to go back about four or five episodes to really understand the nature of the, I'm going to say fuckery that is going on right now on the Hill in Washington, D.C., where the Senate Judiciary Committee is now trying to decide whether or not to put essentially Someone who's been accused of rape and sexual assault on the Supreme Court for life. Yeah, so unless you've been under a rock for the past week, you've likely heard about the allegations that Dr. Christine Blasey Ford has launched against Brett Kavanaugh, and they're real serious. And I know that when I first heard about him, well, when I first heard that Senator Feinstein had this letter that uh, raised concerns enough for her to forward it to the FBI, I know my reaction to you, Imani, was, oh boy, what, you know, what is this going to be? And we all kind of thought, you know, maybe had that gut reaction of of what it could be. But then when we heard from Dr. Ford herself uh, in her Washington Post piece, uh, that was that was something. And so we're talking about very serious allegations against uh, Brett Kavanaugh and the Senate Judiciary Committee is apparently going to give them an airing on Monday. And I have to say, if you're a Gen Xer or older, like Jess and I are, you likely remember the Thomas confirmation hearings. And I know I am having flashbacks. I feel like we are in a moment where we have a chance to do better by Dr. Ford than we did by Dr. Hill. And I hope that we capitalize on that moment. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem like we are based on some of the reactions from people on Twitter. And I guess, Jess, what were your first reactions when you heard about the Kavanaugh allegations? I mean, frankly, I was pretty sick to my stomach. It's, uh, you know, one thing to kind of exist in a state of, you know, permatrauma in the Trump administration and all of the news of sexual abuse and assault that has swirled around not just um, yeah, President Trump himself, but his associates and you know, knowing and go and paying attention and, and covering the Kavanaugh hearings and just hearing from, you know, Republicans and the parade of women that they put around Kavanaugh and then to have a very serious, very detailed allegation of an attempted rape come out and to hear Republicans and Brett Kavanaugh himself basically say, you know, not that, ooh, this is, you know, something that that is terrible and would be disqualifying if true, but their immediate reaction was, no, Dr. Ford is lying. 
Um, and that just ex- stung extra for me personally. Like, I'm tired of the bitches be lying thing. I'm so tired of the bitches be lying thing. And I was expecting that to be the initial response. But the hot take that I didn't expect was, well, even if the allegations are true, or do we really want to say that something a high school boy did when he was 17 is disqualifying and doesn't say anything about the character of the man that he is today? I didn't expect to hear that from a lot of women in particular. Um, I expect to hear a little bit of that from men because when these allegations allegations like this surface, you tend to get a lot of men who essentially tell on themselves, who say stuff mm-hmm. like, well, you know, if Brett Kavanaugh can be brought down by allegations like this, then every man should be worried. And I'm like, <laughs> right. um, unless you attempted to rape or have raped someone, then you don't need to worry. And I know plenty of men who have neither attempted to nor actually raped anyone. And I feel pretty confident in saying that suggesting that all men need to be worried when allegations surface like this mean it does a disservice to men because it just assumes mm-hmm. that all men are rapists. And mm-hmm. that's not the case. And that is certainly not something that we want to be um, teaching our kids. That's not something, that's not a place that we want to live. And so I think it's depressing that we are going through this, oh, boys will be boys. You know, date rape is just the thing that people do in high school. I just, that really bothers me that we're sort of settling into this world where sexual assault is not only expected, but excused. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, as the um, news sort of trickled out and the details um, and we got more and more details and then we um, had Dr. Ford herself um, tell her story essentially and, and come forward and no longer be anonymous, it was really interesting to see the Republicans in Kavanaugh first double and triple down on denials and this confirmation hearing is moving full speed ahead, which would have been a, a vote on his nomination on Thursday to now actually holding a hearing on Monday on these allegations, a public hearing, um, and, uh, you know, potentially giving this uh, an airing. Although, I'll be honest, Imani, I'm pretty skeptical about what uh, what uh, Monday is going to look like. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think that, you know, I'm having Anita Hill flashbacks. I think those hearings were really tough on the country as a whole. I think they mm-hmm. were tough Um, certainly they were tough on on Anita Hill. And I want to be clear that the country as a whole let her down. Black people let her down. White people, like everyone let her down. And so I feel like we have a chance to not make that mistake again. Yet, like you, I have a gut feeling in my stomach that we're going to make that mistake again. And and I don't, I mean, I'm wondering if there are any ways that, that Democrats and Republicans could act could anything that they could do to sort of signal to the American people that they are taking this seriously. And I don't know, Mm -hmm. is there anything they could do? Yeah, I mean, let's talk a little bit about what we can expect um, Monday's hearing to look like. Um, You know, first and foremost is it needs to not be a sham, right? Um, A lot of the complaint around the Anita Hill hearing is that it turned into um, a circus and was not about Clarence Thomas, but was, in fact, about interrogating and tearing down um, Professor Hill. And so that is the really low bar that um, the Senate Judiciary has to meet. Now, I will say that there is a part of me that feels um, some hope that the Senate Democrats can manage this differently because um, one enormous difference between Hill and Ford is that we have 
Senator uh, Kamala Harris. We have Senator Hirono. We have Senator Klobuchar. We have at, at Senator Feinstein. We have women on the Democratic side um, who have the opportunity to do some really good uh, examination on Kavanaugh and really develop these allegations. Because the other thing I think it's important for folks to remember is that this is not a criminal trial. This is not going to be as much as conservative pundits are going to try and turn this into, well, can they prove the allegations? This mm-hmm. is, you know, this isn't a trial where the burden of proof is on Dr. Ford. This is about Kavanaugh's fitness to be a member of the federal judiciary. And mm-hmm. these are very real ethical standards. And so this isn't, can Dr. Ford prove her allegations beyond a reasonable doubt? This is what, you know, an airing of the grievances, so to speak. Right. What are the right. allegations against Kavanaugh? Um, what does she want the committee to hear and, you know, get the opportunity to explain those circumstances and then Kavanaugh um, rebut. And and so that is is one focus. And then the other thing I just want to say is, you know, so far Grassley said that it's only going to be Kavanaugh and Ford who um, have, are going to testify before the Senate Judiciary Committee. And that leaves a lot of questions to me. I mean, Ford herself has identified this Mark Judge guy as a corroborating witness. And he's gone on all sorts of records saying terrible things. Yeah, terrible things like, Essentially, like, you just lived the less than zero lifestyle back then. Like, that's what, I mean, it's, he basically sounds oh. like Robert Downey Jr.'s character from Less Than Zero. Like, this sort of, you know, white prep school party situation in, in, in the 80s in D.C. It's kind of like, I'm not sure that that's the kind of guy you really want in your corner um, to sort of testify mm-hmm. as to your character. But that's certainly the sort of guy that Democrats want to be able to show to the world and say, this is, these are the st- sorts of people that Kavanaugh has been associated with. Um, Another thing that I do want to bring up and point out is that, you know, immediately in the wake of the allegations, there was this letter signed by 65. Initially, the reports were that they were 65 of his classmates. They were women who all came out and said, oh, no, he was great. He was so respectful and he he didn't rape me. I don't even know what she's talking about. And and then it turns out, of course, that he went to uh, Georgetown Prep, which is an all boys school. So then it became just this 65 list of you know, teenage women at the time who were in the, who, I'm sorry, who were teenagers at the time in the 80s who just happened to be hanging out on the mean streets of Bethesda. Like, like I'm envisioning like a grease situation where they're all just like wearing pink jackets and twirling their hair and snapping their gun. Like, hey, Brett, how you doing? 65 of them who all just loved Brett Kavanaugh and were able to 30 years later recall, yeah, Brett Kavanaugh, he was a real swell dude. Didn't try to rape me, not even once. I just... How I don't can Jessica, can you explain to me how it is people think that he didn't rape me or he didn't try to rape me is an actual cogent response to sexual assault allegations? Why why are we still doing this? Oh man, I have no idea. I mean, it's absurd. You know, I saw something on Twitter that was like, well, let's hear from the, you know, like two people that Jeffrey Dahmer didn't try to murder and eat. I mean, like, it's not, you know, that none of that has any, any uh, bearing, has any relevance, but it absolutely shows that uh, Republicans are borrowing from their Clarence Thomas, Anita Hill playbook and trying to make this, you know, a uh, uh, inquisition on Dr. Ford and her uh, testimony and her personality. And I mean, you've already seen Senator Orrin Hatch come out and say, well, you know, I talked to Kavanaugh personally, and it sounds like this Dr. Ford lady is misremembering some things. I mean, <laughs> oh, especially you know, when Kavanaugh wa- said, um, 
Kevin, I heard reports yesterday that Kavanaugh specifically remembers not being at the party that Dr. Ford is, is talking about. Because I remember all the parties that I didn't go to in high school and specifically which ones those were and which people attended which parties. I mean, a lot of this already isn't making sense. And I just feel it going down that same path where Monday is going to be about grilling Dr. Ford and trying to prove whether or not she's a liar as opposed to demonstrating whether or not Kavanaugh is lying about the situation, whether or not he is fit to be on the on the bench, as you said, whether or not there's something more to his testimony about Kaczynski and what he knew about what Kaczynski mm-hmm. was doing on the Ninth Circuit. As you may recall, Alex Kaczynski was a just judge on the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals who resigned in disgrace over allegations of sexual assault. So there's a lot at play here. Um, and we're certainly in a different place than we were the last time you heard for us. So. Yeah. I guess now the question is, um, what would what would need to happen in order to stop this nomination? Oh, that's a great question. So, I, you know, initially when Senator Flake, who's a Republican on the Judiciary Committee, uh, I believe it was yesterday, um, had come out and said, I don't think we can hold a vote until we have a hearing. Um, the Internet went wild and was like, woo, everything's going to, you know, like it's going to pause. And so, you know, I think Republicans from their perspective very rightly then started to figure out how can they keep their time frame, right? They want Kavanaugh on the court as soon as possible, ideally by October 1st. That's looking a little dicier, um, but definitely before the midterm elections and the possibility of the Senate flipping hands. So what would have to happen to actually stop this nomination? I mean, I think one of the opportunities Democrats have on Monday is to uh, make the case of uh, pretty clearly whether or not Kavanaugh perjured himself in his confirmation hearings. I mean, this is, again, not about the uh, truth of proving the truth of Dr. Ford's allegations as it is um, showing the manner in which Kavanaugh as an adult responded to them uh, professionally. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one thing. So if there's if there's hard evidence of um, perjury, uh, that helps. I also think, you know, there's going I mean, we have no idea. This is going to be a circus. Right. Even in the best run situation, this is going to be a circus. So who knows what's going to get said on Monday? I mean, imagine Senator Kennedy questioning Dr. Ford about these allegations. I don't want to. I honestly don't want to. Um, So, yeah, I mean, so part of it's like, I mean, if you had asked us, I think when they they first scheduled these hearings, you know, we were saying none of this is normal in terms of the lack of disclosure and all of these documents, which, by the way, you know, Senate Democrats have filed a lawsuit. All of those fights that you and I have talked about with regard to this nomination are still happening. Right. This is just another new one. Oh, God. And and just the potential, as these things tend to go, at least has looking at history as these things have tend to go, um, have tended to go, excuse me, it seems very likely that there may be more accusers or a possibility. I don't want to mm-hmm. say very likely, but there's a possibility that there be, that there may be more accusers. And it could just be that, you know, Trump decides that it's just not worth the trouble to continue down this lane. On the other hand, Trump being Trump, I could see him say, thinking that, well, no, it's really important that we push this through because I'm not going to let these bitches who be lying take down my Trump, mm-hmm. my Supreme Court nomination pick. I mean, you have to remember, this is the grab him by the pussy. They, they let you do it, move it, moved in on her like a bitch guy. So he's not exactly mm-hmm. a feminist, not exactly going to be the guy who's going to want to take these allegations seriously. So... That in and of itself is concerning to me. And it also, I think, demonstrates how little value he and the uh, the Republicans generally place 
on the Me Too movement and how little they value mm-hmm. women. Because remember, he's got Amy Coney Barrett just over here on the side somewhere like, hi, I probably haven't been accused of rape and I'm just as conservative as Brett Kavanaugh. And bonus yeah. points, you know, when it comes t- down to um, either reversing Roe or, or or upholding really restrictive, abor- uh, really regressive abortion restrictions, you can rely on me to vote with the boys and it's going to make you look better because you got a woman who's voting for this. I mean, there's so many good angles um, and good reasons to pick Barrett. And I just, I, it, it, it really concerns me that he's not done so because it means that he really just wants this Kavanaugh guy in and he doesn't give a shit what women think or what his accuser, his, his uh, potential... Um, his accuser potentially might think. Our listeners cannot see me right now gesticulating wildly because <laughs> this is a moment where Amani and I are having like a brain twin thing and like didn't even it, like pa- like work this out ahead of time. But uh, you brought up Barrett, which I think is amazing because one of the things that we haven't talked about is what of what could happen is, you know, I mean, I think you're right. I don't think Trump would withdraw his nomination. You know, I think maybe Kavanaugh would withdraw his nomination, depending on how dicey this is going to get. And Republicans would launch the ultimate redemption narrative by then putting forward Barrett. And right. that would be a really hard one for Democrats without the numbers and without some sort of, you know, uh, massive uh, skeleton in her closet to right to really block and so you're talking about that as a possibility i'm like nightmare scenario like it's the maybe we should cut this part out of the podcast (laughs) because if we release it into the world we might make it so (laughs) oh we've some done some like terrible reverse we're gonna have to do some like something some quantum leap shit Seriously. So, I mean, the TLDR is we don't know what's going to happen on Monday. It's so far. And, you know, we're recording this. um, And within, you know, the way that the news cycle works in in Trump's America, we could have like four more emergency episode podcasts before Monday. It's so true. (laughs) You know, oh Oh, gosh, everyone will kill us if that's the case. Please, hopefully not. But I mean, so, you know, what will happen on Monday? I don't know. Um, It is definitely going to be historic. We will be covering it. Um, I will be live tweeting the hearings um, as I am wont to do. I'll be (laughs) throwing spitballs at your head and making bunny ears and just generally acting the fool in the peanut gallery as I am wont to do. (laughs) Oh, that's why we're so good together. Exactly. Um, So, uh, you know, and so we're trying to bring some levity to this, but I think, you know, it's probably pretty apparent to our listeners that this is a really serious uh, situation and allegation and, you know, the jokes aren't coming easy in terms of like, you know, drink them if you got them. Yeah, it's very serious. And again, I really hope that we're better than we're better now than we were 30 years ago. But Mm -hmm. I'm not optimistic because patriarchy. Yeah. Yeah. Although I am I am happy um, that this time around we've got folks like Senator uh, Harris and and those those uh, women on particularly on uh, the Senate Democratic side who can, um, you know, hopefully uh, bring some order to this disaster. Right. And we also have social media, which we didn't have back, you know, during the, the Thomas hearing. So there's more of a chance that that. I don't know, I guess feminism might be able to shine through a little bit, you know, like mm-hmm. actual like intersectional feminism might make a difference mm-hmm. this time because, you know, back in 1991, it was like you either saw it on the news and the nightly news or you read it in the paper, but there was not a whole lot of opportunity for people to come together. And I think what's been really impressive about using social media during this time is that it's permitted survivors a chance to sort of get together and to 
come together and to share their stories. I've seen a lot of people sharing their stories on social media as a sort of way mm -hmm. of catharsis. And I see other people reaching out to them. And so I think we are in a more social, a more sort of connected moment. And so maybe that mm -hmm. will help. Maybe that will make a difference. But I do want to say that I know this has been triggering for a lot of people. And so I'm offering yeah. virtual hugs to anyone who wants them. And please, please take care of yourselves. Be kind to yourselves. Drink wine if you need to. Have some chocolate, you know. Mm -hmm. it, it's important. It's important that we take care of ourselves and take care of each other. Absolutely. So that's going to wrap it up for us today. Uh, you should follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at Angry Black Lady. You can follow Jessica at Hegemommy, H-E-G-E-M-O-M-M-Y. You can follow Rewire.News at Rewire underscore news. And you can join our Boom Lawyered Facebook group. Just go search Boom Lawyered on Facebook. There's a question you should answer. Please answer it. And then we will let you write in and you can join in on the law nerdery that we uh, hold down on Facebook. Uh, yeah, it's fun. Please it, join in. Um, and um, just a real quick shout out to our storytelling show, Choiceless. Yay! It's back. This season is so good, you guys. It's so good. It's all about teens, parents, the government, and how those groups talk to each other or don't about sex. Um, and you can even hear Imani and I on it. Yay! And also Jen Stanley's a boss, so you definitely want to check that show out. Yeah, really. So subscribe or listen to the whole series now at rewire.news slash choiceless. Thanks, everyone, and we'll see you on the tubes. Boom Lawyered is created and hosted by Jessica Mason-Piclo and Imani Gandhi. Nora Hurley is our producer. Our executive producer is Mark Folletti. And the Rewire.News editor-in-chief is Jody Jacobson. <laughs>